Hello and welcome to the Wheel of Time After Time, the TV review show for fans who never read the books, with me, fantasy author Sean Paul Stevens, and joining us from Bournemouth in the UK, uh, fantasy commander-in-chief Mark. Hello Mark. Hello! Hello everybody. And joining us from County Cork, somewhere on a mountain in Ireland, is high fantasy fiend and book club champion Ray. Hello Ray. Hi. <laughs> I meant fiend in the nicest possible way. <laughs> I am a shadow friend, yes. Shadow spawn. And as an extra special treat today, joining us from Prosperity in South Carolina is pastor, avid reader and country music fan, Jason. Hello, Jason. Hey, y'all. How are you? And for the regular listeners, Jason is Matthew's brother. So today we are discussing episode six of The Wheel of Time, entitled The Flame of Tar Valon. A flashback shows a young Swan Sonche leaving Tyr for the White Tower. In the present, Swan, now the Amarillin seat, questions and berates Leandrin, Alana and Moraine for Loghain's gentling. Swan navigates the two rivers' villages and the White Tower politics, visiting Rand and Matt. Moraine protects them from the tainted dagger from Shadar Lagoth. With Egwen and Perrin, she orders them to wait for her to send for them. Megane, a blue sitter, orders Moraine to remain at the tower, and Moraine tries to hide her motives from Leandrin. Moraine asks Loal a favour. It is revealed that Moraine and Swan are secretly working together to find the Dragon Reborn, and are also pillow friends, lovers within the White Tower. Moraine takes a reunited Nina Eve and Igwen to meet the Amarillin seat, where Igwen is awestruck and Nina Eve is suspicious. In the hall of the tower, Moraine is exiled by Swan in a ruse to allow her to leave the tower with the two rivers villagers. Moraine gathers the two rivers villagers at a waygate where they will travel to the Eye of the World to confront the Dark One and uncover who the Dragon Reborn is. Matt hesitates and the other villagers, Loal, Moraine and Lan, enter the ways. That's episode six. To be honest, it can, it can, it can never live up to, to Pillow Friends, can it? <laughs> <laughs> Pillow Friends is in the book. That's how they explain them. Explain them as a them as a thing. No, it's how they talk about the relationships within the tower. They also also use the term pillow friends, which is why it's popping up everywhere. Is that just generic? So for anybody who sleeps with anybody, they are pillow friends. When I read the books and when I've read the books, um, Robert Jordan's writing comes across not as prudish, but as very, um, he doesn't want to focus on that. He wants to focus on the, you know, finding the MacGuffin and getting to the big bad. So when he's talking about relationships within the tower, he wants you to kind of know that they're there, that there are these relationships, um, but that uh, he doesn't want to actually say the word. It's like talking to your grandma. She won't say the word lesbian, but that's what she means. Okay, well, let's go around the table and get a reaction to this week's episode. Let's start with Ray. What did you think? I, I thought it was an engaging episode. Uh, it's not uh, It's not up there on episode four, which is still up at my be 
best episode so far, which was really quick and fast paced. Uh, I what I liked about this was the insight into the tower. There was a lot of show. There was no tell. So you started seeing the dynamics within the organization of the Aes Sedai. Still love Leandrin. Uh, I think uh, she is uh, really, I don't know, I think in this episode she's kind of hams it up a little bit, but I am in, still enjoying the character. I love Moraine and Swan. It's alluded to in the books, so it was always something that was there. Uh, it, so it's great for the writers to actually put it out there in front and say, yes, this is a thing that happened. Um, but it also helps explain, you know, the dynamic between them as well. Uh, so no, all in all, I thought it was a really great episode. I, I enjoyed it. Didn't feel like I had to watch my clock, you know, because it was dragging or anything. Um, so looking forward to the ways. I have to say that was a nice way to end, like that little teaser at the end. And we get to see this, the ways to begin with. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, well, we'll come on to that. Definitely. Uh, Jason, what did you think of episode six? I enjoyed it. I like that the tower politics moved along. I was afraid we were going to get into a Star Wars episode one situation where everything just got bogged down with internal politics that I didn't care about, but it seemed like they did an excellent job of keeping the story going and making it engaging. I was a little frustrated that Moraine asked Loyal for something, and then we don't see what that was, but we know it has something to do with the ways. Um, Maybe she was asking whether he wanted to come with them or something. Yeah. Mark, what did you think of episode six? I actually quite enjoyed it while I was watching it. It moved along at a steady clip. Um, yeah, and then I thought about it afterwards, waking up the next day, take the dogs for a walk and think, well, what did I really think of that? Yeah, it, no, it, to be fair, it had a lot going for it and it was good. But as it came straight after um, what Matt described last week as a bridge episode anyway, it felt a bit more of the same. Um, yeah, there was some magic. It's interesting because Ray said it ended on them. Oh, you know, they're going into the ways. For me, that wasn't an end of episode cliffhanger. There was Matt, who I couldn't really care about particularly anymore, <laughs> um, standing there saying, no, I'm not coming with you. And and then disappearing in, you know, the, and the gate closing. I, so, you know, because I think with, with for Ray, she knows what the ways are and perhaps what happens when they're in the ways but for anybody else it's just fast travel of some variety or other there are a few other things it's like suddenly they realize that Rosamund Pike is actually attractive and they wanted to show her out of her blue costume a bit more um question is why was Moraine so respectful uh of Loyal uh that was interesting um and then of course the whole who's a dragon thing why and all of that still moving on just needs to pick up the pace a bit because it was all in one place it was all in Tarvalon wasn't it and that's really weird in a show nowadays you're often jumping around from place to place um seeing different parts of the story uh, especially in films like Game of Thrones where you know you're with Daenerys one minute in the north another then then with the the Targaryens and this is just following these guys it needs to do more if they're going to stick like that it's weird that you mentioned Game of Thrones because it did jump about a lot, didn't it, in a way between different continents and mm -hmm. you know all these different sects of people. But with this story, I feel that everybody is all together. But yeah, for me, it feels like it is jumping, kind of like time jumps, like towards the end of this episode when they're suddenly all at the gate. I do agree it was a little bit more bridging. 
perhaps 7 and 8 are going to be where all the action happens. I also really like the tower politics. I like the relationship between Moraine and Tuan. I thought that was interesting. I mean, I really like the elements of the episode, you know, everyone getting back together, Loal being this kind of wingman coming in, but it just felt a little bit disjointed. So for me, good episode. I'm looking forward to episodes seven and eight too. Okay, let's talk about the White Tower. We've got a lovely set I saw online on Twitter or somewhere. Some nice pictures of them sat around drinking their coffee. They built it quite extensively. I'm assuming that the last mile or so is CGI somehow. Yeah, you say that. I mean, the whole thing, the whole thing has a really big CGI feel to me. Um, obviously, when they're in that, I call it the throne room for now because I'm sure it's got a proper name. Um, that looks okay. But then they've got the scenes where, for example, that she's standing on a balcony, Moraine's standing on a balcony, looking out over a vista. And it's it's just so obviously CGI. And as I think mm. I was saying earlier, it's not once upon a time quality CGI, which was just, oh. But it's, it's just a bit jarring because they've been to all these locations to shoot. So The streets reminded me of Hogwarts at Universal Studios. Like everything looks very real, but everything looks very fake at the same time. Like they were awful narrow and very clean and very new. It didn't look like any old city that I've wandered around. Yeah, I get that. I get that. It's styled to look old, but it's actually spotlessly clean. There's nobody throwing water out the windows. Yeah, I think that was one of the things that I really liked in Game of Thrones and uh, things like Lord of the Rings. I know, ignore budgets for the second, but um, they the places look lived in. Um, this is why I joke about this being a sci-fi channel, Doctor Who type program. It, they don't, it doesn't feel like it's lived in. It doesn't look like it's been kicked around. You know, there isn't water or puddles on the road. There's no sort of dirt. I, I mean, I'm not looking for grimdark horror here. I'm, I, I'm looking for a lived in and it, it kind of feels that they haven't dressed the set mm. too well. What about the relationship between Swan and Moiraine? Because in the last episode, the power structure, I was thinking it's two or three equal groups that are going to take on the seat at some point. But then we suddenly find out that Moiraine and Swan are in cahoots. That messes up the whole power dynamic, doesn't it? I, I'm not too sure. I I, uh, I think they're handling it actually quite well. This is it's so strange coming into this with the story already told to me. But this was their way of establishing a relationship that these two had. So obviously you don't just poof, you're an Aes Sedai. It's like a college, you know, you, you go in to learn and train to perfect the power. And I think that's already been established quite loosely. So it's uh, what you'll have is obviously friendships that are built up from girls going to the tower and training and then becoming Aes Sedai. And uh, it, it's great to kind of show this because I think where they show this relationship between Swan and Moraine, you kind of understand that this wasn't something that happened overnight. We've we've heard that Moraine's been away for 20 years. You've got, were they, did they grow up together? Were they uh, novices together? And I think we get a hint that they're kind of tangled in this for a long time. I think what does Swan say, you were there when somebody said the dragon had been born. So that must have been like 20 years ago, because that's, I think, how old Rand and Egwene and Perrin and that lot are. 
it was in the first episode. They said a woman whose eyes were white as snow, but they could see anyways. Um, predicted That's that, right. Yeah. What kind of sense do you get of Swan, Jason, like her power and her personality? Because in the tower, everyone seems a bit scared of her. They're buying into the whole, oh, she might execute her mm. in front of Last us or something. Yeah. But then we see her and she seems very friendly. Is that similar to the books? I would think so. They describe her, uh, you know, I, I get the feeling that she's a lot like the people I'm around. You'd call them rednecks, hardworking, not afraid to get their hands dirty not afraid to say what they think, but wicked smart and devoted to the cause that she's in. And I thought they did an excellent job of, you know, she can throw off the trappings and be a human being. What about her powers? How powerful do we think she is? Oh, it's hard for me. Well, I know she's pretty powerful, you know, like in the books. I think they even said in this episode that she might be the most powerful one up until Nynaeve. Let's talk about the Dragon Reborn. Now I have a few issues with the whole scenario. I know there's a prophecy, which is why they supposedly have found these guys in Two Rivers, but it just seems a little bit flaky. What are they actually going on from the point of view of the dragon is definitely one of these four? Oh, actually, no, it's one of these five. Oh, but Loghain, maybe he was the dragon, we weren't sure. But they seem to have completely stopped looking for any other possible dragons. I mean, if I was in charge, I would be, this is a very important issue future of the world. Let's just put a few people, just some minions, send them out, see if there's any other people in the area, similar age. Am I being picky? I, I think it's going to become clear next episode because we got two hints in this one. When Sue Ann was working on the knots in the boat, her dad didn't realize it was going on until the knot just got cleared up. Like it didn't look like he could see the magic white line. Wasn't it Tom that said they shouldn't let Matt see the Aes Sedai? Yeah, right. they were worried because um, they assumed all of the, the the wacky stuff that they were doing, Matt was doing, was related to him going mad from the one power. However, we've now learned that it's because he stole that knife from Shadda Logoth. So that was why they were like, don't bring him to the Aes Sedai, because what they'll do is they'll see he has he's channeled and he will be punished for it, which is stilling and imprisonment. So... I think we can tick Matt off the list because we now know it's not because he was channeling, it was because he was possessed by the Shadow Logoth. And I think Jason's right. We're going to get the uh, the grand reveal pretty soon. It's not that I don't appreciate it that, yeah, out of these five people, that's the most likely person or whatever. How did they decide in the first place that it was one of these? I think it's part of the TV show that's quite weak. They've had to cut a lot of what is quite a, an extensive book that to into something quite quick. Uh, hence the reason why there's lots of town visits that are missing. Um, everyone just goes to Tarvalon and that's it. Um, because it is established in the book about as a reader, you know pretty much instantly who's who's the dragon reborn because they they talk about the fact that they're all the same age and they talk about why that's important. Um, I think Suan in the, the TV show has alluded to the fact that they found out the dragon had been born and it happened 20 years ago. But how did they find that out? Yeah. The vision. So they based the whole the, the, deal on a vision. Believe in the magic system here. There was an Aes Sedai who had the foretelling and she went, she was like, I don't know, eating a biscuit or something and suddenly went, crikey, he's been born. And 
everyone was okay, like, oh, so okay. It was a magic thing, basically, that <laughs> well, they, they found it out. A magic thing and foretold the coming that's... of a magic person who's going to do some <laughs> magic stuff to save the world from magic. Come on. Yeah. Get with the program, sure. Can I circle back to a related thing? Finding the Dragon Reborn, that's our priority for all the Aes Sedai. Anyone that knows about that or believes in it is going to want to sort that out. So why are Moraine and Swan doing this whole mission in secret? I didn't get any sense of why that is. Jason, help me out. You've read the book. Tell me. Blues are the questers. Um, like they say it in the, you know, blues are supposed to scout hither and yon and find out problems. And they go out on their own. And Sue Ann was a blue and Moraine is a blue. And so they're not going to stop the problem as much as to find the dragon. Like, I think if the Reds went out, they'd go out and say, we'll fix this. We'll make sure there is no dragon. So what is the reason for them keeping it secret? Or is that a spoiler? Uh, they're really trickling information to us, I think, um, in terms of why some people are scared of the Dragon Reborn and some people are, uh, well, you know, Loghain Ablar had a whole army and followers and believers. Why, why society is so divided? I think we could do with a little bit more information about that conflict. Well, surely isn't that the whole premise of the dragon? Either he'll save the world or destroy the world. It's sure. this idea. There's this idea of well, we've already established the light and the dark, <laughs> shadow friends, and so on. We've got a very typical line down the middle, black and white, you know. And I think uh, the dragon is this uh, a neutral unknown, and I think that's what everyone's panicking about. Is that currently, as he stands, he's right there in the middle, and if. I think the Aes Sedai grab him first. Yeah. He can be turned to good. But if um, flamey-eyed mask man grabs him first, you're going to have him be his power turn to the dark. And Moraine talks about the world turning to ash and we'd have to rebuild on top of the ash of our friends and family or something. So is, is there a sense that the, the mission is secret um, and they're in a small group and everything because they don't want to let on that one of them could be the dragon in case they fall into the wrong hands. If Leandrin gets, she's going to gentle him just like she did with Loghain. You know, like that'll be what she thinks is good for the world. Yeah, so there's a sense that they're protecting the dragon. From their own side, yeah. What did everyone think of the way gate? It wasn't very well hidden, I thought. <laughs> I don't know for our I... listeners, you cannot see his face at the moment. <laughs> so, firstly, I would have no reason to believe they should be hidden. I have no idea why they needed to take our Ogier friend along, as cool as he is. You're right, they did just all get there, turning up at separate times, although they were all coming from essentially the same place. Why they couldn't just leave together, I don't know. Um... So we know they're going to use it to fast travel to some place, which name I've forgotten, the heart of the... Eye of the world, is it? Eye of the world, oh, wow. Eye of the world, the that's book. it. So yeah, so they, they're going to travel there to do something. And as far as Moraine is concerned, most of them are probably collateral damage. Yeah. At the moment, we don't know much enough about it. It could just be... I mean, okay, maybe I do, because maybe I've been speaking to a couple of people who might have read the books a little bit. But from the person watching it, it could just be they step into it and the start of the next episode, we see them stepping out the other side where they want to be. 
Yeah. We don't know. There's no cliffhanger there. There's no, the cliffhanger is, is Matt not going with them. I will say that it's a lot better thought out than Outlander, which I love, by the way. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've seen Outlander, but basically there's just a big rock that buzzes like bees. That's how she time travels. It's very unsatisfying. But it's very, ooh, that's the thing. When I was looking at them, I thought, these are either giant bookends or um, they look like the sails on a ship, like billowing out. And I thought that mm. that was a good image for something that would carry, you you know, fast travel you to wherever you're going next. Um, I thought it was a tuning fork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> this looks like a giant tuning fork. Um, I am actually really interested in the ways. It's like Shadow Lagoth. Um, I was very disappointed when they didn't show a lot of that city. So yeah. I'm really hoping we get our teeth sinking into the ways and we don't have a thing like Mark said that they step in one way and come out the other end. Um, my husband, who's not a book reader, turned around and went, ooh, they're fast traveling, like in computer games. And I was oh, yeah. like, yeah, kind of, yeah, that's a good analogy there so no i actually liked it it's very very different from the books though incredibly different so from the books. when they step into it in 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 i can't remember which gamble i think it's some of the might be some of the waylander books by gamble but there's an element there of or it could be i can't remember it might even be a dress one but they go somewhere and they stick into a path and on at the outside of the path of nasty things trying to drag them off the path and hurt them and stop them getting to where they want to go i can't remember which book it is i've read them so many times there, it appears in sci-fi as well, in, uh, not in M. Banks, uh, Peter F. Hamilton in his books, he has a thing about the pathways and they're in ancient forests. And I think there's one in the Wicklow Mountains here in Ireland where you walk through and you keep going and eventually you will appear in a forest somewhere else and you can pop out. There's no gateway or anything, but you walk through and you go so far into the forest, you end up joining another forest so it's a concept it's all over the place it's oh yeah just, gone. jesus it's going to take six months to get here how can i write six months in my book it's um it's just a case of is it just a fast travel that's easy or are there things in there that are trying to stop you from doing it because you're going against mm. the natural order of the world it's even a warhammer 40k thing isn't it when they're, they're traveling yeah you know i don't know if you well, yeah. that where they go through a space it's there where they have the navigators to to yeah, get them through and, safely and they, the warp yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. It's been ages since I've read any of it. But I think a lot of your questions, Mark, and your concerns would have been answered if they had spent more time on Loyal. If if we had understood yeah. that he's not just a fella they met in a pub, that he's actually a nerd. He's like the nerd of the group. He's very well read. Uh, we need to establish that the reason why he's the only Ogier, it, there's a reason why he's the only Ogier. He's come out of his home to explore the world, which is why he wants to travel with them. And uh, we get a very, very brief look in where he meets uh, Moraine in the White Tower on the balcony. And she is very reverent towards him, mm. you know, build, yeah, yeah. calls him the builder and says, can you help us? And I think we just needed a little bit more because it's likely that the conversation probably went, we need to get to the eye of the world and we need to get there quickly. It's a very long way away. And I think it would have been nicer for Loyal to turn around and say, oh, I'm sure I've read about something. Uh, I know that there's a way gate here. Uh, why don't we try that? And then have Moraine do her Aes Sedai thing of, oh no, not the ways. And then we have this whole, then we the stakes are given to us as watchers. We'll probably get an information dump, like when they sang the song about Manetherin, 
and Moraine was like, oh, you think that's just a song that doesn't mean anything. That's really your history. We'll probably get the same thing. Like the second we step into the ways, Lael's just going to be like, here's 45 seconds of what the ways really are. What about the eye? If I was off on a quest to a dangerous eye, I'd want to know, you know, if I go on the London eye, I want to know how high it is, <laughs> how much it is, how long I it think, takes to, to go around. I think Jason has hit the nail on the head. I think at the beginning of the next episode, we're going to have Wheel of Time 101 hit us in, yeah. in the first episode. I, I, get, I get Sean's point because you've got these, these five young, important people that's the only sensible one as far as i can see he's the only one going why the yeah, bloody hell much, yeah. am i going to walk through that <laughs> yeah. thing going to something called the eye to face the dark one and yeah. i might be the dragon and i'm male so i could go bonk what why aren't they all sort of saying hang on a minute you know without mm -hmm. wanting to sound like a petulant child here what the bloody hell's going on <laughs> What you're saying is the most sensible plot point so far has come down to a casting issue. Yeah, casting decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's it's right. Ma uh, Matt is the, the 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 figurehead for every single person who's watched a horror movie who's gone. Don't go into that house. <laughs> yeah. You know, Matt's just gone. But, no, but, excuse but me. Equally, he's splitting up. I don't remember in the books if. Moraine even knows what the eye of the world is like this might have been one of those things that are lost to history and she hasn't said what it is because she doesn't even know so they're, they're taking yeah. a road that she doesn't fully understand to a place she's never really been before to face an enemy she doesn't know much about with a bunch yeah, of strange totally kids. underpowered yeah yeah, I think a lot of people are trying to equate Moraine to Gandalf. You know, they're trying to equate her. If you're going to draw the uh, the, the titular sort of fantasy group, they 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 are kind of making her the the noble, the person who guides, who has all the knowledge. Mm. And um, I, I you're doing a good job. I, I think that she is very good. So actually, well, she's, uh, more, she's more of a rinsewind. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> and Lan is luggage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. but no i <laughs> i think um i think in this case uh i i want to see the fallibility of it like i don't think moraine is here because she it, this is her life study i think she's here because she was unfortunate 20 years ago to find out a piece of information in secret um i think she's learning as she's going on i think the eye of the world is something that everyone knows about you know ooh, the dark one is in the eye of the world um so i think it's one of those things where that the, she knows she has to go there she has to defeat the dark one because this is where he's underpowered and we don't we want to get him while he's weak uh but she hasn't quite got i get the feeling that she's going unprepared she's rushing into it i get a very rushy feeling that she you know maybe maybe we need a training montage before we do this guys we should know a little bit more about what it is i think before we actually go there yeah yeah just i think we're going to have that info dump i think we can all put a fiver on the fact that the next episode is going to be look while we're doing the walking let's let's have a history lesson uh it's going to be one of those uh west wing corridor I think moments it might be. Yeah, 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 yeah 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 okay well that's all we've got time for this week a big thank you to jason for joining us don't forget you can email the show aftertimepodcast at gmail.com we welcome your comments and suggestions of how the show could be improved although i don't think it can it's going 
really well, I think. <laughs> this is us signing out. We'll see you next time on The Wheel of Time After Time. <laughs>